Hey all, in this episode of Dudes of Kung Fu, Alex and I uh, chat about the bullying that takes place in some martial arts organizations. We talk a little bit about uh, UFC 205, and we I talk a little bit about um, how to JKD your martial arts. I go over a, a little bit of a primer on what I call the JKD blueprint. That if you do uh, Jeet Kune Do or just want to simplify your martial arts a little bit, you may find it interesting. I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hey everybody and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Outstanding. How you doing, birthday boy? I'm doing really well, yeah. Oh, don't remind me, man, because uh, this is another year I'm older and fighting what's known in the industry as age-related decline. Well, you look frail as fuck. I mean, come on. like you're, You look like an old lady. At least don't wear a pink cane. He's got like a little pink cane he walks with now. He's so old. You hit the what? The big 3-9? Yeah, the big three nine. Well, you gave away my age, man. That's always been an industry secret, man, you know, because most people think I'm a little bit younger than that. So now you okay. gave it away. First of all, every, everybody that looks at you thinks you're fucking 15 years old. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And I've been playing that very well. See, you didn't have to confirm it. I just guessed. I don't know how old you are. How would I know how old you are? Right, right. Well, it's still not 40. <laughs> it's still not 40. Right, right, right. Well, I, I'm not 40 years old either. Right, right. Yes, yes. You're also not 30. <laughs> so how have, how have things been going with you, man? Things are going very well, actually. You know, I kind of took a minute from the gym. I just got burnt out, you know. And um, But I'm back training harder than ever. Really, I'm feeling so good again. You know, it, it's, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm 51, so everybody knows. So when you're 51 years old and you're overweight, just even a, taking three weeks off from the gym, you just rust up. Everything kind of like fucking hurts again. It really, it's, it's tough to get back into the swing of things. And, it's, and you lose, I kind of feel you not only just lose momentum, you, you lose, you lose, uh, I don't know how to say it. I kind of feel like I stiffened up, like in the way I was walking and, you know, like right. my knees hurt more, my feet hurt more. And now, like, I've been, I've been at the gym, I've been hitting shit again, I'm, I'm doing well. And I kind of just, you know, I kind of feel like it breaks, makes you get younger. It really, right. I feel younger. And, it's, and, and the crazy part about it is it's not just a physical feeling, it's a mental feeling, you know? Sure. I come walking out of the gym and I'm drained, man. Like I'm fucking drained. There's nothing left. There's some nights I, I literally, this is gonna sound so stupid, but I can barely lift my leg to put it into the car, right? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my god, you know. And but the next morning I get up and I'm sore. Don't get me wrong, I'm sore, but I feel mentally alert. I feel like I'm in a good mood. I'm yep. kind of like better to be around. I'm not so much as a dick. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's really, it's a really good feeling. I'm telling you, it is working out hard is the best antidepressant in the world. I mean, absolutely. I really feel that way. You know, it's, I think if more people need more reps and less drugs and the world would be a better place. Absolutely. Well, um, 
we're not going to have the chance to have any drugs pretty soon. But anyway, um, I just wanted to tell you uh, about something I did last night, which was really cool. The um, the RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan, he did an event here in Midtown last night where he basically took the Kung Fu classic 36 Chambers of Shaolin, a.k.a. Master Killer, and he re he redid the entire soundtrack for it. So basically he laid out like Wu-Tang hip hop beats throughout the entire thing. And he did it live. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, it was at the town hall, which is, uh, it's basically a Broadway theater right here on 43rd street, 1500 seat theater. And it was sold out for people to watch a 40 year old Kung Fu movie. It was amazing. Yeah. Which is so great because it was like, yeah, Kung Fu is still totally alive. And, uh, the RZA came out on stage and basically had a turntable and two other DJs with him. They started showing Master Killer or 36 Chambers, depending on what title you like to call it. And right from the very beginning, from the opening frame, it was all like the cool, eerie, hip-hop, uh, Wu-Tang-style beats. And then he did it really cleverly. Sometimes like you would hear a cool beat, and when there was a fight scene, there was like some cool stuff. And then there would be a moment when... You know, like in the old Kung Fu movies, they would look at the camera and then he would turn the music off. Right. And then you would just see that moment and then the whole audience would laugh and then the beat would kick back in. So he did it like masterful live. It was unbelievable and totally brought the house down at the end. Uh, I posted a couple clips on uh, Twitter and Instagram where if you guys want to see some of the work, it, it looks really cool. We just had a really good time last night. That was That's awesome, man. It's great that, you know, when you can appreciate talent for talent's sake. You know, Absolutely. when a guy does that, that's freaking talent, you know, and that's, uh, that, that's, I just love that when you're like, you know, some people like, well, you know, that's Kung Fu, right? That's the result of hard work on his part. And the dude has some talent, you know, it's, uh, yeah, and, and, he, and speaking of Kung Fu, I mean, not only was he talking about being influenced by these Kung Fu movies when he was growing up, but he was also talking about when he was a teenager, his friend used to, uh, his friend who was one of the DJs on there when they were living in Staten Island, which of hey. course, you know, is uh, what the Wu-Tang Clan calls Shaolin. That's Staten Island, <laughs> right, right? Right, right, right. And, and basically, he said his friend used to record like Looney Tunes, like Wile E. Coyote, Roadrunner, that kind of stuff. And they would take the, the sound out and then he would overlay James Brown. So what they were doing was they were taking cartoons and then matching it to the rhythm of the music. And he was doing that as a teenager already. And then now you understand why the Riz is one of the best hip hop producers out there because he's been doing this stuff for a long time and he has that early practice. It's all that 10,000 hour stuff. And people don't realize that overnight successes are not really overnight successes. These are people who've been putting in the time and putting in the reps and, and, and so on. So like I was talking about uh, the gun training a few weeks ago, everything is Kung Fu, man. I mean, Kung Fu is really, uh, you know, not specific to martial arts. It's essentially the way of mastering a skill. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Like, you know, you just being in Manhattan and some cab drivers, you can tell the they, 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 the way they drive. It's kung fu. <laughs> in and out of lanes and shit. It's amazing. People, unless you've driven in Manhattan, New York City, you have no idea what driving skill is all about. 
Yeah, it's basically like playing a video game live. Right, <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. And only some of the people carry guns. That's <laughs> only some of them. <laughs> and you, you know, it's really funny, too, because in, in Hong Kong, so basically, uh, especially in the Western world, when people have the, the quote-unquote title of Sifu when they teach martial arts and they mm -hmm. think that this means, you know, so this is some kind of super title of awesomeness or something. And in, in Hong Kong in particular, the title of Sifu is something that's given to anybody who's an expert in some kind of blue-collar field. So, um, for example, if you're an expert in something scholarly, like um, you're a uh, calligrapher or whatever, they don't use the title Sifu for that. They actually use the same title like for teacher, like Lo Si. Um, but if you're a blue-collar person, like you are a metal worker or right. you are a chef or you teach martial arts, the title for an expert is Sifu. But you know who else they call Sifu in Hong Kong? Taxi drivers. Yeah, there you because, go. Yeah, because taxi drivers, they're experts not only in driving, but they're also experts in, like, the city of Hong Kong, like, knowing how to get around. So it's not uncommon in Hong Kong that you would actually call the taxi driver Sifu um, just because they're an expert, essentially, in their craft. So I always kind of joke when these guys are on Facebook and, you know, they're always signing everything, I'm Sifu so-and-so, Sifu so-and-so. Right. And I'm always thinking, like, you know, I could say the same thing if I was a cab driver. <laughs> no need no need to oh, learn martial man. arts for so many years. Um, but, uh, hey, we got a big event coming up this weekend, man. Before we get to that, I have one small announcement. Oh, wow. It's a tiny announcement, but for us, it's huge. We hit <laughs> huge. Huge. No, let's not go there. <laughs> we hit... I am the orange Dorito. Um, we hit 10,000 downloads, dude. Wow, that's amazing. 10,000. Really, think about it, dude. A fat kid from Brooklyn and a skinny guy from Queens, and we fucking <laughs> hit 10,000 downloads on our podcast. I cannot be happier, man. And That's amazing. You know, it's and, and and we're having so much fun doing it. That's yeah, the best the, part. And to think it was just the two of us downloading it five thousand times each that didn't really <laughs> mean, that much work. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because we've been really fortunate. We've had some like top top flight guests, and um, they yeah, just, I was just saying they before we recorded the word, today the the Jim Rosalando podcast. For those who haven't heard it, the last one. Um, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, I heard it for the first time. You know, it's weird for people to think like I I didn't think I would actually listen to our own podcast after we did it because it's kind of like, well, I was actually there. Why do I need to listen to it? But it's a completely different experience to kind of sit back and listen to it like I um, am able to pick up a lot more of the stuff you talk about because I'm not like preoccupied with like making sure we get done in a, in a normal time or something like that. And and I love it so much just to sit and listen to it on the way to work. But the Jim podcast, I mean, he was sitting next to me when he was saying all that stuff. And then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, wait, I totally missed that. Or I didn't even remember when he said that. And it was just incredible. And, and for people who are really interested in the history of Wing Chun taught by someone who's in my opinion he's really an unbiased source because he's not trying to spin that his lineage is better and that's why his history goes along this way here it was just very factual he was also very open about stuff that he thinks is probably bs mm -hmm. and it was really great so if you haven't if you didn't listen to our last podcast which was with jim rosalando um listen to it please share it especially for anybody who's interested in the history of wing chun um it exceeded my expectations for sure I absolutely enjoyed it. I have a problem listening to the podcast back. You know, I have a oh, long really? I have, I have a long commute 
um, to work and coming home from work. Sometimes it's about almost an hour and a half a night each way. Wow. And I try and listen to our podcast, and man, I hate the way I sound. Really? <laughs> so I'm listening to the podcast, and I'm sitting there saying, why the fuck did I say that? <laughs> or I'll be like, oh, man, look at that. I, I, I took too many like beats in time, and it sounds like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Or did I or, oh, did you sound confused, you idiot? Just let Alex talk. Like, I just got to, <laughs> I get so down on myself, you know? It's amazing. Or like, I'll say something, and I'll say, yeah, you know, that sounds this, but I really meant to say that. And it, yeah, it drives I, me I nuts. Think that's, I think but that's, I think, what people appreciate about it because there's there's one thing if you're delivering a polished statement that you've thought about and I'm delivering a polished statement and then it's like just two people having a monologue with each other. But I think what's – I think why – I mean why people probably like the podcast is because this is basically how you and I talk when we, we meet up in Staten Island or if we're sitting for some food or whatever. So I think people just feel like they're just sitting at a table with us while we're just chatting about martial arts. It's really not that much different. We're not here delivering polished statements that were given to us by script writers and, and we sound better than we are. It is what it is, and, and I think that's why people like it. Well, I mean, I agree. I, mean, I, don't think, I don't know if people realize that you and I have absolutely no idea what the hell we're going to talk about when we hit record. Yes. It's, it's like we sit there and like we literally, folks, we'll sit there and say, you know what? I, I may mention this. I may mention that. And they, literally that lasts about 10 seconds. And then we just talk for the next hour, hour and a half. Yeah, and half the time we forget about the things we say we were going to talk about, and we end up having plenty of stuff to talk about anyway. Right. So, That's what happens. It's you know, it's it's two friends bullshitting about life and kung fu and. And uh, and all the peripheral stuff involved in that, you know. And that's just, right. That's right. With with the occasional rant from you and me, notwithstanding, it's pretty much how how we would normally talk anyway. So this is speaking about rants. I got a I got a small rant tonight. Okay. I got, I got a small rant. I made a post about it on Facebook the other day, and I'm gonna fucking rant about it again. Beautiful. And it's and I'm literally it's only gonna take a minute, but I'm fucking ranting about it. If you need to build yourself up by knocking other people down, you suck as a human being and as an instructor. I know we've mentioned this before on the podcast, and I I just, there's people out there that all they do is knock other people in an effort to build themselves up. That they're so afraid that they're going to lose a student to somebody else. That instead of showing how good they are, how how much of a how much of a great teacher they can be, how how great they can be as a friend and a coach and a mentor, all they do is say, "Well, I'm this generation and he's that generation, so that makes me better." No, it doesn't. First of all, you suck. Okay, you suck <laughs> as a person. And what half he is, we've seen your videos and we've seen you in person. No one no one wants to tell you the truth. The fact is, you really do suck and you don't know that much. And, and, and your, your, your poor attitude in talking trash about other people who, quite frankly, can run fucking rings around you shows you as a, you're a horrible fucking little person, you know? It's like <laughs> Alex and I, one of the reasons we got along so well, right from the beginning, like he made a joke one day. He probably doesn't even remember it. But literally the first time we hung out or the second time we hung out, we were talking about this very topic. And he had said something to the effect of, like, um, I can show you what's good about my bong sao without saying your bong sao sucks. Oh, right. I remember that. 
And and I was like, wow, you know, this dude, this this is a dude I want to hang out with, because he, you know we can talk kung fu without saying your kung fu sucks. I can right. say, oh look, I do it this way for this reason. Why do you do what you do for your reason? And it gives us something bold to talk to think about and talk about without sitting there saying, oh, you know, whisper. He's only this generation. Oh, he's only that generation. He never really spent that much time with this guy. Fuck you. Go jerk off in a corner, you asshole. Just. <laughs> It's just, you know, train, teach, coach, and by the way, sorry if I curse too much. It's just, and Alex, if you want me to cut that out, I will. But no, I just, no, no, that's fine. That's what I think. Half the people tune in just to hear that. <laughs> but it's just so true. It's like they, half these people, if they spent more time fucking beating off and less time yapping, they'd be better at something in life. But it ain't gonna be better at kung fu. So they might as well do something that gives them enjoyment. You know, it's like it's really ridiculous the amount of what's the right word, vitriol that they have yes. for instructors where they can sit there and instead create a network of people. All they want to do is cut other people down. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand it. I, you know, it's like I, Alex coaches and teaches in Manhattan. You can't throw a rock without hitting a fucking martial arts school. I've never heard him trash another martial arts instructor. It's not true. It just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? It's like... Especially to like around students and stuff, it's ridiculous. Yep. You know, and it, and it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like people need to be less of internet tough guys, and more like human beings. You know, right. don't act tough, be tough, train tough. Sure. You know, if you're so concerned about somebody else opening up a fucking school near you. Hey, here's an idea. Why don't you teach your students to be able to move around without fucking putting their hands down below their fucking, around their stomachs and cover their fucking chin when they're boxing? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like it, I look at these videos that people post online and it's like, I don't say a negative thing about them. But listen, you suck. You suck as a coach. If you want to make sure you don't lose your students, teach your students the right thing. Don't keep, you know, you're teaching your students fucking crap and you're worried about them seeing someone that knows what the fuck they're doing. Why? Because you know in your heart of hearts, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, so people need to like really like just be men and and, and fucking be human beings about shit and act, act, act like a man, act like a human being. You know, I'm sorry. That's I just I'm I, I'm I'm sick of some people. I, I I got a message on Facebook from a guy saying, "Hey, do you know such and such about some guy I know?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I do. Why?" And he says, "Oh, because my seafood was trashing him, saying that he's no good and all this other stuff." And I just answered back, "Well, your seafood's a dick." I'm like, you know, it's just. I'm like, you know, your your seafood's a dick. Here's my phone number. Have him call me. It's just it's ridiculous. You know, it, oh, just it's just annoying. And yeah. I, I know the guy's seafood for years. I know the guy's seafood for years. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> anyway. You know, yeah, well, you know what? You're totally right. And I guess um, kind of as a my take on what you just said is um, I think the the problem is, one, it, it's always kind of human nature to kind of talk shit about what the other people are doing because – martial arts have been divided into camps and then it used people used to think that the camps were karate kung fu ninjutsu jujitsu whatever but it the camps are all within the same style right and 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 the vitriol between the various factions of the same martial arts is way worse than anything cross styles 
Like, there's nothing in the history of the Choi Le Fat guys not getting along with the Wing Chun guys in Hong Kong that is nearly as bad as the shit that goes on between different Wing Chun schools, which is way, <laughs> way, way worse. So you know, true. And, and, and part of that is with traditional martial arts, you are always trying to court favor, usually with some kind of figurehead. And if that figurehead has passed away, then it's all about trying to make the claims of being the one who's doing the thing that is most like what that passed away guy did. So you essentially have a bunch of people claiming things that cannot be proven and a bunch of people following those individual camps and not liking the other camps solely on the fact that their claim is a little bit different. So rather than the Sifus taking a different take or, or, or really taking their uh, position as a leader seriously, they are protecting what they think is theirs by reinforcing their opinion versus what the other guy is saying so that they're trying to make their students much more like staunch cult believers in what they're doing rather than trying to create a general understanding. Because traditional martial arts sifus think that if they create a general understanding, they're going to lessen their brand and lose students. Right. So there's traditional aspects that are involved there, and then there's also this fear of something else. But it's so I don't know if you ever read the book um, Zen in the Martial Arts. It's an sure, old book. Sure, Joe like Hines. By Joe Hines. Joe yeah. Hines, right? And he has a chapter in there, which um, of all the chapters that I read, I, I don't remember much of that book because I haven't read that book in maybe 20 years. Yeah, it's a long um, time ago. Uh, one thing that he talks about in there, which is called cutting the line. I don't know if you remember this, no, but this is this exact topic. So, for example, in martial arts, like you're trying to learn either how to beat the other guy or let's say you're trying to talk about how what your style might be better than another style. Rather than do that on the merits of your actual system or the merits of your own training or what you've done, you do it by trying to cut what the other person does like cut it down right. or 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 you, you see what i'm saying so sure. rather than like thinking about developing yourself and developing your own attributes so when somebody comes to my school and they say why should i learn wing chun here i say okay we have a great staff that's professionally trained they know what they're doing and their number one job is not to be the Sifu with the cross hands and show you how badass they are. Their number one job while they're working for me at City Wing Chun is to make sure you have a good time and you learn something and you get benefit out of the class. That's all they do. I don't need to say the other Wing Chun guy across town is a total asshole who only learned from some guy over the weekend. He doesn't know <laughs> what the hell he's doing. And the bong sao they teach is total bullshit because first of all, somebody walking into school doesn't know about bong sao. Second of all, why do I need to even mention what the other guy does as being shitty? Why should be talking about what he, they asked me, why should they come to my school? The reason they should come to my school has nothing to do with the other guy. Right. And the follow-up to that I always find is when people are cutting down other instructors or they're cutting down other styles or systems as a knee-jerk reaction, sit back and look at it. What they're actually saying is not a very good advertisement of themselves because you know what they're saying? They're saying, you should come to me because everyone else sucks. So right. basically what they're saying is the only reason I'm good is because everyone around me is a total piece of shit. So basically all they're claiming is I'm king of dog shit mountain. Right. So the, <laughs> the, the only reason I, I'm 
and that and they could basically be claiming that they're only slightly better than people who are terrible. Right. So this is not a huge endorsement of your skills or your school or whatever it is you're trying to claim. Can you imagine if you say something like, let's say there's another Wing Chun school across town, and I'm like, you know what? Those guys are very, very good in training low elbow force, and he's really good at actually teaching students how to apply Wing Chun versus other martial arts, and they have a very, very good training program. But here's why you should come to my school. Can you imagine if everyone said, if they were going to be critical, what you do is, instead of tearing your opponent down by creating a straw man argument, turning him into a straw man that you can easily tear down, why don't you turn your opponent into a steel man? You're going to say, you know what? That guy across town, he learned in Hong Kong from a number of years from this guy there, and he's really good. And his Sifu is one of the best guys in Hong Kong. But I'm going to tell you why you should still come to my school. Right. Can you imagine right. if you actually flip the dialogue and, and tell somebody what's great about the other guy? And you might not necessarily like what that style does, but I guarantee you if you sit and think about it, you can find some nice things to say about somebody else. Sure. And then suddenly you're telling people, well, based on your merits, your credentials, your hard work, why you are still the better choice and not based on the other person being subpar. Right. Then what we're doing is we're raising the level of discourse within traditional Chinese martial arts. And if we can do that, we're also setting a better example for our own students. And we're also tr doing something that people didn't think about. Rather than cutting the line, like Joe Haim said, of our opponent to make us look better, we're talking about how great these other martial artists are. And now we have to show people how good we are. Not by cutting people down, but by showing people. And that means we're going to have to get off our ass and do something. Coach better, train better, teach better, and set a better example. And that is very difficult for people to do because they're going to have to look at themselves. And it's much easier to cut other people down. So when people other cut, cut other people down, they're being cheap and they're taking the easy road. Take the high road and, and develop yourself. And that's kind of my, my take on what you just said. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're spot on correct. You know, it's funny. One time I got a... I got a Facebook message on my private account, and someone said to me, it was awesome, they says, uh, I heard you talking on the podcast about how great Alex's school is. This was great, Alex. You're gonna this. He goes, you do realize you teach Wing Chun in the same city as Alex. Why would you build up his school when you could be looking for students? <laughs> because my because my do you know the percentage of my student base that comes from Staten Island is got to be point <laughs> point zero zero two per, I mean I got a couple guys here but they work in the city or something right it's for you know to be honest with you Alex even if it was down the block from where I live I would still say your school is awesome because your school is fucking awesome you know what I mean it's like I I could I, I was sitting back and I'm I'm shaking the head I'm shaking my head. And I, so how I answered the message, I answered the message in typical Big Sean fashion, right? I answered the message. Uh -huh. I, put, I put down, I said, like, all right, well, if you go into Alex's school, he has everything you could possibly want there. And I'm not going to lie about that. But when people come to see me and they see I'm sexy as fuck, <laughs> <laughs> Alex can't compete with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's perfect, Sean. 
you know, you just can't compete with this, with the with big sexy here. I'm sorry, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, it's also it's it's also it's also really ridiculous because um, uh, a lot of martial artists, Wing Chun people. It's not just Wing Chun people; it's karate people. It's everything. Like you were talking about, they get so um, threatened by the fact that there's somebody else doing the same thing nearby that you can't be friendly with that guy because that means you're gonna lose all your students to him or whatever. This this kind of zero sum game that right. martial artists believe. You know, if they're if, if you teach Wing Chun in a small town and there's another Wing Chun school across town and that guy's got 100 students and you got none, it's not his fault. It's your fault. Right. And and people don't like that answer because everybody loves to blame somebody else for the fact that they don't have students, that they're not successful, that they're not good in Wing Chun or this, that and the other thing. And nobody wants to say, you know, the reason they're not people coming in my school right now is because I'm not doing advertising. I'm not doing the things I need to do. I'm a lazy ass instructor. And and they it's not the fact that there's another guy because if you want to talk about competition, okay, my school is like five blocks away from Henzo Gracie, not like, <laughs> not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Henzo Gracie teaches right. a few blocks away. They're MMA schools. They're Thai boxing gyms very close to my like just a couple streets down. There are other karate guys, kung fu guys, Kyokushin guys, or whatever. So don't talk to me about competition. If people are not coming to your classes. If people are not coming to learn from you, it's either because, well, you just want to keep something small and that's fine. But if you're trying and no one's coming, it's because you suck and you're right. not trying. It's true. Okay. And, and you know, they can, somebody can open a Wing Chun school across the street from me. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to lose a single student. First of all, the population density of New York is such that, Sean, you can have 10,000 students at your school and you would not take one single potential student away from me here in Midtown. Like people don't realize the population density of New York City, you know. Um, second, if all my students left and went to you, it's not your fault. It's my fault because I let them see your handsome face on the podcast and that's it. And that's my fault. Right. Right. So that's why and I lost. Thank God it. they can only see my face. If they saw the rest of the package, you might as well fucking put up the shelf, put up, the, put up the shutters, brother, because you're done. <laughs> Absolutely. So the, this whole kind of zero sum game mentality. Um, also, even from not to get too much into the geeky stuff here, but just from a martial arts business perspective and statistics and what it actually means to have market share in martial arts. Because, I mean, I'm also a student of the business of martial arts, obviously. And I've done seminars about market share and multiple martial arts schools in the same town and same discipline martial arts schools in the same town has absolutely zero effect on whether you have students or not. It has there could be three other Wing Chun schools on the same block as my school. And we would actually probably have more students because do you ever notice that fast food restaurants are all right. on the same are all on the same corner? Right. right like you right. have a McDonald's, a McDonald's across the street from a Burger King, a diagonally across from a Wendy's. They do that on purpose because that stimulates business. But martial arts people think they're the only people that um, avoid the, the laws of business that have been working since day one. And they think another martial arts school across the street is going to hurt them. It's not going to hurt them. Go down Steinway on Queens where I live. If you just walk down Steinway, Taekwondo school on there's two taekwondo schools on one block on the next block there's a thai boxing gym on the following block there's an mma school on the next block there's another taekwondo gym the next block there's a tiger shulman's the next block there's a ufc gym the next block there's a henzo gracie gym oh 
And there's a reason why they're all still in business. So when a Wing Chun guy thinks that another Wing Chun guy in town is going to take away his business, he's just stupid. He just doesn't know. Like Nathan, Nathan, what's it called? Was it Nathan Road in, in Hong Kong that has a... Yeah, Nathan Road. Go walk down, although nobody wants to learn. Hong Kong's actually a bad example because nobody gives a shit about uh, a Kung Fu in Hong Kong except Westerners. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, but think about it. In the heyday of Kung Fu in the 70s, um, well, actually, there is an example of that still in Hong Kong. Do you know on every, almost every section of Hong Kong, in uh, you have Thai boxing gyms. Multiple, right. You have Thai boxing gyms everywhere, like a, a diagonally across from each other. I mean, if you want to learn Thai boxing, you might as well go to Hong Kong. You, you, you trip and you land in another Thai boxing gym in Hong Kong. And guess what? They're all full. No one's taking students away from anybody there. Right. Population density. And, and hey, if you want to have a lot of people there, good, teach good Thai boxing. Don't worry about there's another Thai boxing gym across the street. Why Wing Chun people worry about this is because they mostly suck and they're afraid that the other guy's better, flashier, and has a cooler looking bong sound and a more polished wooden dummy than they do. And that's the reason why people are going to leave. And that's just nonsense. Right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, anyway, we need to talk real quick about UFC 205 this week. Oh, I am so jazzed about UFC 205. I just watched the um, the weigh-ins on, uh, F- on FS1. My oh, son, they, oh, right. My son was actually at the weigh-ins. And, um, dude, I don't, Tyrone Woodley looks like a freaking beast. He is like a freaking beast. He, he came out, and they, they showed this little, like, B-roll of him working out and knocking some fuckers out. This dude, man, he is a beast. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever listened to the um, UFC Unfiltered podcast with Matt Serra. I, I, I haven't yet, but I heard really great. Oh, it's, re- it's really good. They, you know, it's definitely uh, at some point. They, 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 it's, a, it's a pretty cool podcast. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, Matt Serra's great. He's so funny. I love he's listening so to him. He's so funny. Absolutely. And so they had Tyrone, Tyrone Woodley on there the other day. And, uh, man, I became like a fan of his just from like hearing him talk. He was such a gentleman about things. And um, I really, I can't wait. I cannot wait for tomorrow night. I'm so excited about this. I, I don't know if you heard, but the uh, cowboy fights got called off. Cowboy versus um, Gastelman. Gastelman. Oh, it did. Why? What happened? Did Gasolum not make weight? He didn't make weight again. And, oh, uh, he's had that problem. See, I, I, I didn't even know, but I guessed it. So, um, and, and you see, in New York, in New York, it's uh, there's a rule. You can't be five pounds over. You can't be more than five pounds in difference in weight and still have oh. a fight. So it's right, not like right. he could have been like, like if the fight was in L.A., you could be 10 pounds, 15, 20 pounds yeah. over. Sure, and as sure, long sure. as they, they make it up with the... Uh, uh, Jesus, with the, with the, the purse. They, the they, purse, they get, they right. get uh, yeah. They give them, have to give them like uh, 20, 20, 30 percent yeah. of it. Yeah. But in New York, yeah. uh, the the New York Commission made it that it's five pounds. And that's it. You, you know, you know what? And and I'm I'm actually for that because it's like, look, um, we can discuss the the problems with weight cutting and whether this is a healthy practice or whatever. But here's the thing: if you agree to fight and and to weigh in at a certain weight the, the weight the day before, and you just like show me like seven pounds overweight or whatever, I mean that is unbelievably unprofessional, and that's a big right. fu to your opponent and to the organization. Last week, Charles Oliveira. 
who fought in the U.S. I think it was that. last week or the week. He came in nine pounds overweight. Right. Ridiculous. You know, and, and, and that's just like, you know, it's like, are you even trying? And that's so disrespectful to your opponent. So, um, you know, um, if, if that's the, the commission law in New York State, hey, that's fine. I mean, that's what you agreed to. It's in your contract. You should do it. Right. I mean, this is a third time Gasoline missed weight. You know, it's. Yeah, certain fighters have have a reputation, but that's why when you said Gasolum, I'm like, let me guess, he 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 missed weight, right? Yeah. So and, they they said the Cowboy's going to fight Matt Brown and UFC 206. Holy cow! Wow, that's interesting. Well, that's going to be a good fight. Great, there's a lot of great matchups now that he's at 170. I still want to see him fight Robbie Lawler because that was the original fight that he was going to have for this UFC. It was going to be Donald Cerrone versus uh, Robbie Lawler. And then um, Lawler pulled out for some reason or something like that, and then it got changed to Gastelum. And, and so, um, but Lawler versus Cerrone, that would have been crazy, man. Yeah, no, I know. So the, the whole weigh-in thing was was pretty damn cool. I mean, of course, um, Alvarez and McGregor, that's going to be phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you, you and I are both on record as being Conor McGregor fans. But Absolutely. We both know Eddie Alvarez is no joke. No joke, man. I mean, and we're also we're also Eddie Alvarez is essentially for people who don't know Eddie Alvarez is from Philly, so and he he trains uh, with Frankie Edgar. So basically, uh, Eddie Alvarez is the local guy here. You know what I right. mean? So for us to be Conor McGregor fans and be local is probably not the the most. We're kind of not going for the hometown dude or whatever. And but here's the thing about Conor: single fight that he's had. You're always like, I don't know, Connor's done amazing, but now he's going to be fighting this guy, and I think this guy's going to be the biggest test, you know? Right, that's and true. We, we've essentially said this every single time, like um, when Connor just ran through the featherweight division, you know, as he was getting harder and harder opponents, I'm like, yeah, he's been amazing so far, but now he's going to fight this guy. And then he beats that guy. And then it was like, yeah, he's been great, but now he's finally going to fight Jose Aldo, and boom, starches him. You know, so it's like... It, it, we almost have this this um, recurring amnesia with Conor McGregor where we're like, dude, he's amazing, but now he's fighting this guy, and I don't know. And we've said this every single time he's he's gone to the ring. So um, having said that, though, now that we have seen Conor fight a bunch of times and then we saw his first hiccup with the Nate Diaz fight and then how he came back or whatever um, – I don't know, man. Eddie Alvarez is a tough dude, and, he, and and from what I understood, he hasn't been finished, and he's got a rock-hard chin, and I don't know if Connor has got in his head the same way he did with some other guys or whatever, because it's hard to get in the head of somebody from where we're from, right? because we're the king shit-talkers, you know yeah. what I mean? And so Eddie Alvarez, when you saw him in the press conference yesterday, he was trying to verbally spar with Connor, and Connor's just way better than he is, right? So... Um, Eddie Alvarez might be a little bit outmatched verbally from Conor McGregor, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Conor's gotten his head the same way. Exactly um, right. So um, I don't know, man. Um, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I would love for Conor to win because I think the whole two division at the same time for the first time in UFC is going to be historic. It's going to also put Conor in that next level of getting whatever the hell he wants UFC to do for him, whatever hoop they want he wants them to jump through. Right, right, um, right. But I don't know, man, because... Um, Stylistically, uh, it's a tough fight for him. Stylistically, it's a very tough fight because of the wrestling, because yep. he's got that granite chin or whatever. And we saw him 
have a bit of a hard time against uh, Chad Mendez with the wrestling. And, um, of course, that was a number of fights ago. I mean, you always have to give the fact that, you know, all these guys are constantly improving. So to compare them to where they were five fights ago is never really a fair thing to do anyway, especially at that level. But um, I don't know, man. But uh, the great thing about uh, UFC, about this card, is it's not only about uh, Connor and Alvarez. There are a number of great fights. Joanna, uh, I can never say her last name. Oh, yeah. uh, the, the strawweight champion, she's going to have another really, I mean, she's amazing. I mean, when you her jab and the way she, I mean, she's unbelievable. The the women at that level, are, they're really, really starting to, to catch up um, uh, to where the men are. It, it took them a little while because it wasn't as developed. But I mean, now when you look at the champions there, um, they're really incredible. And yeah, like that's, Amanda, like, that's like the battle for Poland, right? That they're both, both fighters yes. from Poland. Yes. Um, and Amanda Nunes, who who has the uh, bantamweight championship, uh, she, like I don't know if you saw her fight against Misha Tate. She I was did. scary, man. Holy crap, that was amazing. So um, looking forward to seeing um, seeing that that championship fight. And then Frankie Edgar's fighting in the undercard. He's fighting what Jeremy uh, Stevens. Jeremy Stevens, I think, right? Yeah, that should be a really good fight. Um, so. Yeah, man, uh, and, and it's starting, like, at 7, and, and it's a packed card, so... Yeah, I mean, right, what's... Um, Michael Johnson's fighting, um, I can't say his name, Khabib... Uh, oh, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, yeah. right. It's, so that's going to be amazing. Now, the one thing I would... Tiago Alves also didn't make weight, but it was within within enough pounds that they can let the fight go through. But man, he. But I but I but I heard they canceled it anyway, or maybe no, I, no, I thought no. I read something on Twitter that they canceled it. Oh. No, but he looks emaciated, dude. He, oh sure, sure. He looks emaciated. I was yeah. when Tiago Alves came out. I was kind of like, what the fuck happened to him? It's like he looked really. I mean, you know. Yeah, but Connor Connor looked the same way when he was weighing in at 145. I mean, he looked like a skeleton on, on, on weigh-in days. And, you know, it, it's always surprising for me because when I look at the weights that these guys fight at and and I look at like and, and I compare that to myself, right? I just go like, holy crap, like right. I'm five foot I'm five foot seven and, and if I was fighting in the UFC with my height. I would have to fight at like 125 or 135 to be the same height as the other guys who are fighting there because everyone who's 5'7 is 125, 135. And I, I'm 5'7 and I walk around at 170 pounds, which is kind of heavy for a 5'7 person. Um, but I'm just like, how the hell does somebody my height make it all the way down to 125 without wanting to die? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and then and then when I look at the people who fight at my weight at 170, which is welterweight, they're six foot, six foot one, six foot three, whatever. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like that's insane. <laughs> so the dudes who are fighting at, at middleweight or or light heavyweight, I mean, these dudes are just giants. It's unbelievable. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be an incredible night of fighting, and um, uh, and, and, and as a dad, it's so awesome that my son is so into it. You know, I, I I have two sons, and one of them's into it, the other one really couldn't give a shit. But that's fine. That's you know, that's that's his thing. But my son that is hey, into 50%, it, that still works. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like so. My 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 oldest son Johnny is really into it. As a matter of fact, he got to meet uh, Bisping yesterday, I believe, and um, and then he met uh, Ariel Hawani today. That's awesome. That, uh, yeah, it's really cool, you know. So we'll sit down, we'll you know, we'll order a pizza and watch the fights, and I freaking can't wait, man. It's gonna be that's uh... great. So we got a question from the audience, from the studio audience, Alex. We have a question. Oh, here we go. All right, let's go. Let's All right. shoot. 
Our man John wrote in and said, um, My seafood told me that it is better to be an expert in maybe three or five applications or techniques. Too many people want to learn all of the techniques, which there is no harm in knowing, but at the end of the day, you need to have three or five that you know very well and have drilled consistently. What's the dude's thoughts on that? Um, well, you, you want to tackle that one first, or you want me to tackle it first? Okay, well, all right, so uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. I think it's it comes down to so so it's the JKDing of your of your of your martial art, right? So uh, the idea of simplicity in, in martial arts, we have something um, at least in Jeet Kune Do was spoken about something called fistic law. So fistic law is the idea that you don't want to cloud your brain with unnecessary or unneeded information and, and, and so you don't want to know you don't you don't need to know 52 different ways of throwing a punch you need to know one punch to deal with 52 different attacks and you want to pare down as much as you possibly can while still still keeping and carrying with you enough to get the job done if if your sole purpose is to be a fighter if your sole purpose is to be a fighter, you want to have with you enough tools in the toolbox that you can deal with the most amount of problems, quote, I'm, I'm going to call, you know, quote unquote problems that you're going to run into. Um, when you talk about, when you talk about like paring down, it's not just, you know, three to five techniques. Yeah, it probably sounds about right. But more importantly than three to five techniques, it's also, um, it's three to, it's understanding the strategy involved, you know. Um, you need the, the, the least amount of strategy also to clog up your brain. Um, I, I, I know I should be, have a clearer thoughts on this but coming from the seat of my pants is that yeah that's right but don't cut it down too much you know um so so what i do so everybody knows i do jkd right g kundo i call what i do um the book that i'm working on and the my system i call the jkd blueprint and there's a reason I call it the JKD Blueprint. Because what's a blueprint, right? A blueprint teaches you the best way of building a house. So the JKD Blueprint is what I call of building a Jeet Kune Do fighter. And the, the JKD Blueprint is a, is a process. And, and it deals with what you, exactly what you're talking about. The process is strategy dictates tools. Tools dictate drills. Drills focus on strategy. If you keep that idea in your head, strategy dictates the tools... The tools will dictate the drills, and the drills focus on strategy. You kind of create this little circle. And that there will pare down all the unnecessary bullshit in your martial arts life. If your sole purpose is to be the best fighter you can be. So, again, you have this, set of, you have this strategy and, and a set of tactics within that strategy to deal with the most amount of... Tech, uh, different types of opponents. You kind of want to pare down the amount of opponents in your head, okay, to, to a reasonable number. Not like, and don't think in terms of like, oh, well, there's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter versus a wrestler. Don't think of that. Think of, think of fighters in, in, in a different way. If you think about a problem you could face while trying to hit a guy, will teach you that there's different types of fighters. And when you understand all the different types of fighters, you'll understand, okay, 
for me to take on all these different types of fighters, I need to have this, 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 and this tactics of strat this, this strategy within my toolbox that I'm going to carry with me. If I have this, this, and I, and I, and I come to this understanding of with my, my strategy-based system and a principle-based system, right, that I now am going to tick my tools that fit in and help me employ that strategy. I'm not going to add a tool that doesn't work with my strategy. For the, you're not going to add a tool for the sake of adding. You, so you add a tool, and then you'll, the, the strategy, if you focus on strategy, the strategy will dictate which tools you're going to add to your system. So this way there, you'll never end up adding an, an unnecessary tool that you don't need to use for the strategy you've chosen. Okay, and now once you come to terms with that and literally write it out, get yourself a pad and say, all right, how can I simplify my martial arts for me as a fighter? Here's my strategy. Here's what I like to do. Which tools do I need to employ that empower that ta that, that 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 series of tactics and strategy? I need these 11 tools and those 11 tools will be different for everybody, you know. There'll be some commonalities, a finger jab, a front kick, things. But you know what? Based on, on, on the way you move, based on your height, your reach, your, your size, your mobility, you, you'll, have different, you'll have some different tools that you need to employ that strategy. And once you come to grips with, okay, these are the tools I need, simple. What drills do I need to get better at those tools. What drills do I need to do to, to, to develop the attributes on these tools? And make sure that the drills that you do not only only develop those tools, the drills you're doing are, are, are based on your strategy. So let's say your strategy is to uh, fake a jab so that when he blocks you're going to see this obstruction come up, and you're going to rush in, take away the obstruction, and attack. So you need, okay, I know I need a, a, I need a jab. I need X amount of footwork. I need something to remove the obstruction. These are the tools I need, okay? How can I, best way of developing these tools? Well, I need drills. The drills are going to focus on your strategy. What do I need to do? I need this bursting footwork. So you need drills to give you that ability to, to burst forward, to be able to read the opponent's timing so that you know when the opening is developing as opposed to already developed. You need to have this ability of, of, of learning when an opening is just being developed. So you, you have this idea of this, this developing opening and you need to have drills that are going to teach you how to Focus on your strategy. So you have this circus, circle. You know, again, strategy dictates tools. Tools dictate drills. Drills focus on strategy. If you do that, you will end up paring down everything. You'll end up paring down strategy. You'll end up paring down your tools. And you'll end up paring down your drills to simply using what you need. And then you're going to be hanging out with one of your martial arts buddies. And he's going to show you a jump spinning hook kick. And it's going to be like, wow, that was fucking cool. Hey, you should do that. No, I don't. You, you, you're going to know you don't need it because it's, it doesn't fit in with your paradigm of martial arts. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit into your process, into your personal blueprint. 
and, and and that's where that's that's the JKD, the simplification of a personal martial arts system. Now, with that said, yeah, you're going to have more than three or five tools. You may have three or five different tactics within your strategy. You're going to have a hell of a lot more drills than three or five. But it'll be as small as it could be without being too small. It'll be as simple as it can be without being too simple. And again, I stated, if your purpose, if your reasoning for doing this is for you to be a better fighter, then this works. Now, if your reasoning to do this is to be a teacher, well, then you've got to learn a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't fit for you personally because you need to be able to expose stuff to your students that maybe don't work for you, you know, that don't fit in with your personal fighting system, but, you know, are part of the art as a whole. So you have to kind of come at this as where you are. Now, my personal recommendation is you go into this with a selfish person, selfish thought process. How can I be the best I can be? Let me develop my system to be the best I can be. Once you are ripping it up and you're seeing, okay, I'm doing really well, and hey, you know what, maybe I want to teach this in the future, then you'll learn more and, and make, it your, 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 make it part of your process. You're, you're learning how to be a teacher. You know, you will learn how to uh, incorporate other things and learn, learn how to do other things that maybe other students will need, you know. Like, I'm, I'm a big fat guy, right, I have, and I have kind of an aggressive personality. I don't, you know, my father used to beat me a lot, so I don't, I don't care about getting punched in the face. So when I step in and a guy punches me in the face, I don't care. I'll wrap him up and choke his ass out. It doesn't bother me all that much. But you know what? For somebody that's, you know, not built like me, that, that's not an option, right? So they have to learn maybe more finesse footwork. And, and you'll have to add that to your repertoire if, you're, if your goals are to be a teacher. But to start off with, I strongly recommend you be a selfish bastard. Learn, become the best you can be, and in my opinion, use use what I'm calling here the JKD blueprint. Strategy dictates tools, tools dictate strategy, drills focus on strategy, and that that's my take on it, buddy. Yeah, I think that I mean, well, you 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 smash that topic senseless. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, there's really nothing. I mean, again. Whenever people, no, 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 it's fine. No, I'm just saying, like, there's really not a whole lot else to say. I mean, um, I think part of the problem is it's always like, well, my instructor said this is all you need for, uh, you only need like a couple techniques or whatever. And it's like, the problem is that when we're talking about martial arts, it's so contextual. Are you doing martial arts as a hobby? Are you doing something like you want to pursue and become an instructor in it? Is it just something that you want to do and learn a lot about? Are you worried about self-protection and self-defense? Are you interested in ring fighting? Do you want to know a little bit of everything? So that is going to greatly uh, dictate whether um, what the answer to that question is. Now, Clearly from his question, he means for, you know, for practical fighting, is it better to know a couple things and know it really well than to know a bunch of stuff that you don't know? Of course, but I don't think anybody's going to argue that that's not the case. I don't think anybody's going to say, no, it's totally better for you to know 20 different things that you can barely do as opposed to knowing, you know, one or two things you do really well and trying to apply that. Of course. But uh, are we talking about you want to pursue a lifelong of martial arts and just dedicate your entire life to five techniques? If that's what you want to do, fine. But the guy next to you might want to know 
everything there is to do about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then if you want to be good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you might specialize in a couple things. They're leg lock dudes. They're dudes who are into chokes and arm locks. But you kind of know a little bit about how it all works to even be a specialist. So um, that's, again, another one of those questions that I think it's, martial arts are far too contextual. If somebody's coming to me for self-defense, it's way better to specialize them in a couple things, a couple strategies, a couple ideas that they can apply and that they train really well. But somebody wants to dedicate their life to learning a craft, a martial art, or whatever, for God's sakes, do some more shit, man. Seriously, you just want to spend <laughs> your life doing five things, man? Holy crap. Shoot me in the face and call me Sally. That would not be the way I would want to spend a large chunk of because I'm not paranoid that my entire life is just about getting in that one street fight. And if I'm not just worrying about those five a golden applications that I can do well and I do too many, I might not be able to defend myself on the street. I mean, that's not my concern, but it might be somebody else's. So very difficult to answer that thing. Yeah, but I just love the fact that I can call you Sally now. That's great. I always say call me Sally, man. That's old stuff, man. <laughs> uh, no, but I like, I like when, you, when you brought up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I remember, you know, Matt Thornton saying that, uh, you know, um, something along the lines of everybody develops their own game from this framework. You know, yes. in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like you said, you know, there's leg lock guys. There's there's people that, you know, they just submit everyone. You'll watch it when you watch UFC. You'll hear like, oh, he submitted eight his last different opponents with, you know, with the guillotine. You know, it it all becomes part of your own your 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 game that you develop within the framework of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and just the same thing is like the, you develop the framework within your martial arts system, whatever your system may be, and um, I just think that's you know that was spot on perfect. Awesome. So um, I guess one of the main things, and some people kind of ask me about this, is I, I wanted to spend a little time talking about um, uh, the so-called controversy that happened with me in the Hong Kong press uh, because this has been online, and, and I talked about um, the fact that I was going to talk about this. And I was originally, as you know, thinking of doing a separate uh, podcast, almost like a separate announcement, because... One of the things that's, that's important for me for the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, and we kind of touch upon it very lightly, is I don't want it ever to seem like this is some kind of um, thing where I can, for example, like in my case, I can air out certain grievances that I might have with certain people or some kind of political things or whatever to use this platform essentially to um, further me in some kind of political way or, or use it to attack other people or something like that. Like Dudes of Kung Fu has always been about talking about Kung Fu, talking about training methods. And yeah, we have rants here and there, but I, I, I think most people would agree that if they listen to our podcast, we never use it specifically as a platform to air grievances between us and specific people. You know what I mean? So um, it was very important for me. And that's why when I mentioned it to you, Sean, that I didn't want to talk about it on the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast because I didn't want to make it seem like, oh, Alex is using this as a platform to go and, 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 and you know, air out some dirty laundry or something like that, right? So, um, but we were talking about it today and uh, you were like, well, why don't you just talk about it on the podcast? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, and, and I think um, that's probably fine because also since it's just going to be one short segment in the podcast, it's going to mean that I'm going to have to keep it brief, which is important because honestly, it's not the most important thing in the world of martial arts and it's not even the most important thing in my life right now. But it's something funny that happened. And rather than just make it about me, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about 
um, the culture of bullying that happens sometimes in big martial art associations or big schools or something like that. So that um, this topic of what happened to me isn't just me, you know, going, oh, look at what they did to me or something like that. Because honestly, I'm pretty tough. I can take it. Um, the problem is that they've done things like this to other people who weren't able to fight back. And nowadays with the internet and social media the way it is, um, the kind of thing that happened to me should happen less because we everyone has a voice now to basically show the real face of people who are using bullying behavior, you know? So um, anyway, for those people who don't know, and I apologize if uh, a lot of our uh, loyal listeners are already well-versed in, in, in all this stuff. And, and again, I, I don't mean to come off like a broken record for those of you who read my, my epic long blog post or whatever, but I just wanted to kind of take a moment here to kind of explain something that happened to me and, and kind of maybe use it to make sure that something like this doesn't happen to other people because it's unacceptable. Um, the fact that you call somebody Sifu or Sigong or Sihang or instructor or coach or whatever doesn't give people the right if you happen to leave them or go somewhere else. And it doesn't matter how great of a martial artist somebody is or how famous somebody is. Um, nobody uh, deserves to be bullied for the sole crime of leaving a school, of leaving an association. And uh, that's essentially what happened to me. Now, I don't want to make it sound like I was the poor victim of bullying or whatever. Like I said, I can take it. But um, I was kind of viciously attacked a few weeks ago in the Hong Kong press. And basically what happened to me was this. Uh, for those who know or don't know or whatever, I'll just make a long story short. Um, I was a representative of... Uh, Sifu Leung Ting's Wing Chun Association uh, from about 2002 to 2011. Uh, at that time, I was representing him as a, a school leader here in New York City. I had been a member of the IWTA since 1997 because obviously I had to become an instructor before I would teach. Uh, but I ran a school under the auspices of the International Wing Chun Association from 2002 to 2011. So I was essentially the representative for Leung Ting Wing Chun in New York City. In 2011, based based on politics and some bickering between me and, and some managers and, and disagreements and stuff and the fact that they were really going nowhere as an association in the U.S., I quit. And I just quit and I left and I didn't make uh, uh, an attempt to kind of steal other schools or whatever. I just left. I was fine. What happened was is after I quit, a bunch of other schools quit because it was like, um, you know, that you know, in the, uh, the Wizard of Oz at the very end where they pour the water on the Wicked Witch – and then the Wicked Witch starts melting. And then Dorothy and everybody's like, oh, crap, we just killed the witch. And then they're afraid that all those, you know, all like the witch's minions or whatever are going to like retaliate against them. And then once the witch is dead, everybody's like, the witch is dead. You killed the witch. And then everybody's happy and everybody starts singing. That was kind of what happened when I left the association because um, Sifu Learning Ting's association in particular, they're very good at indoctrinating people into thinking that. And I have emails from Sifu Learning Ting himself where he says this, if you leave the association, you, you won't be able to run a school anymore. You won't be able to have a, a life, a business, whatever, because once you leave and you're no longer tied to the almighty IWTA, no one is going to want to train with you and no one's going to want to join your school. Of course, they, they grossly 
overthink or, or, or they have a lot of confidence in what they think a, a martial arts association is for for business. Most people don't join a martial arts school because they are part of an association. They join a martial arts school because they go, they show up, they like it, and they join. And it just so happens that this school belongs to this association, and they almost find out after the fact. But Sifu Ting has been very good in indoctrinating his students into thinking that everyone's joining your school because of the IWTA. Because walk on the street and ask the average person about Leung Ting, and of course they know who the hell that is, right? But that's what they kind of make you believe. Well, I left the association and something really funny happened. In the five years <laughs> since I left the association, I became much more successful. Um, I got on the cover of Wing Chun Illustrated. Um, I was able to create a lot of relationships in Hong Kong with people that I wasn't otherwise able to meet. And I'm in the press more. People know me. I have a podcast. Uh, you know, more students. The school's growing. You know, and and so I did everything that they said wasn't going to happen. When I left the association, they thought I would just wither and die, and I actually flourished and grew. They didn't say anything about it because they lost a lot of schools after I left. When I left, the IWTA in the U.S. lost probably about 70% of their members here in the U.S. They lost all their Chinese seafoods. They lost all their big schools. And they didn't leave because I told those guys to leave. They just left because they were like, well, Alex left. We can leave, too. So they all left. I didn't want to make a big deal about it. I, I barely talk about them in the last five years since I've been free. Flash forward that to about a month or two ago. Uh, a famous Hong Kong magazine called Apple Daily, which is a little bit like the New York Post. They're like half a newspaper, half a gossip rag. Everyone in Hong Kong knows the Apple Daily. They're a notorious gossip rag. They did a, um, they did a report on me. They just talked about my school, right? They came in, they did a video interview with me. I talked about teaching Kung Fu in New York and what it's like to be a white guy teaching Chinese Kung Fu to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I made a couple statements about Chinese martial art instructors that weren't hypercritical. I basically said, traditional Sifus generally don't view themselves as a service provider. They basically view themselves as a vessel that you have to go through to go to this great learning of martial arts, right? And they don't really care whether you get it or not because most of them don't teach professionally. This was not a statement that was aimed particularly at Leung Ting or anybody else. In fact, if there's anybody who's not like that in Hong Kong, it was Leung Ting. He teaches very professionally, or at least he used to teach very professionally. I don't know now. But um, my former teacher, Leung Ting, took this as a slight. I, I, for some reason, he thought I was talking about him. And he created this crazy statement uh, where he, you know, in the famous Leung Ting red and, and black font, where he's just attacking me and saying all sorts of stuff and trying to, he even puts ha 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 in the statement, like trying to kind of laugh at me. It's so childish, it's ridiculous. And then this time, he didn't have the courage to sign it himself. He actually had one of my Kung Fu brothers, whom I know very well, we're still friends on Facebook, and that guy happens to be Sifu Leung Ting's assistant. He had him sign his name as if that guy uh, was the one who wrote the document. But the document is 100% Church of Leung Ting, standard document of all the ex-members, you know, trying to denounce their credentials. He just made somebody else sign it this time. But here's the funny thing. Of all the ridiculous things he asserts in the document, which he only wrote in Chinese because he knows if he writes it in English, all the English-speaking Wing Chun people who know me are going to be like, wait, Leung Ting said what? He asserted that I only learned from him for one week. For one week which is like amazing. And that's where I came up with this whole thing. Well, if I only learned Wing Chun for one week, then call me Kung Fu genius, because I've somehow managed to be more successful than any of Sifu Leung Ting's US students. All these guys who are like, oh, I'm his most senior student and I started learning in 1980. 
you teach at a dance studio and you have 15 students on your best month and you pretend you're part of a big professional association. It's a joke. I don't care if somebody wants to just teach 15 students, but they pretend that they have all these big schools and they, they basically have nothing. And these guys, you know, their, their big claim is that they took a seminar with Leung Ting 30 years ago and somehow now that makes them super senior and super special and they have almost no success. And of course, I'm some grand student of Leung Ting, so how dare I have a bigger school than any of them? And this was part of the reason why those guys gave me trouble, right? But now they're saying that I only learned for one week, but what Sifu Leung Ting failed to realize is there are years of things on something called the internet where <laughs> they have tons of photos of me having learned from Leung Ting. Sifu Leung Ting is in my school. I'm in Hong Kong. I'm on a TV show with him. I'm in a press um, uh, uh, conference with him in Hungary or whatever. And I have reams of emails from him and all sorts of stuff. And it's like, you know, if I was Sifu Leung Ting and I wanted to attack the evil Alex for his interview, I could have attacked myself way better than this. In fact, off the top of my head, I think of three or four things he could have done, which would have been way smarter to attack me. You know, if, if he needs somebody to help him with the press in the future, I can help him attack ex-members way better. He decides to say, ah, Alex, he only learned for one week. And it, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was a really stupid attack because anybody who knows me knows that that's not the case. And so what I did was, is I, I wrote a pretty epic blog post, which... I just checked this web stats on my blog post. 15,000 people have visited the page with my blog on it. When I look at my website, I have other page, like the page about the podcast, 140 visitors. The page of my blog, 15,000 visitors. So it's like, holy crap. So that really went out there. So he doesn't realize that he might have tried to trash me in some Hong Kong magazine that nobody reads, um, especially, I mean, people read it in Hong Kong, but nobody reads it here. And I have just told everybody worldwide, Europe, US, Hong Kong, everything in our Facebook posts where I out all these ridiculous bullying allegations against me, had over like 6,000 likes and 43 shares and all sorts of stuff. And I got like, I got maybe 600 new followers on, on Facebook. It was amazing. But here's the thing. It's not that my former teacher lied about the fact that I only learned from him for one week. That was easily proven false. It's that the IWTA in particular has a history of bullying ex-members. And they've done it to people far more senior than me, not just me. They've done it to Sifu Cheng Chun Fun, who is Leung Ting's most loyal student. I mean, the stuff that Sifu Leung Ting has said about Sifu Cheng Chun Fun is disgusting. And this was his most loyal student. He just happened to leave Sifu Leung Ting a few years ago to do his own thing. And now, if you talk to Sifu Leung Ting, he would claim, oh, this guy doesn't even know the knife form or something like that. It's ridiculous. And he's done it to all sorts of, and it's disgusting. And so I want people to see, it's not just about me. He's attacked everybody. So if people want to see this kind of pattern of behavior that's unfortunately been very prevalent, they can go to my website, which is sifualexrichter.com, and you just click on the link. It's called Insincere Wing Chun Amnesia, which also happens to be IWTA, which sounds like some association. And there are no claims that I make in there. Everything I, I talk about in the blog post, I show proof. 
All right, they photoshopped me out of photos. It's not my claim. I actually show you the photos where they try to photoshop me out of a long pole photo to pretend somehow I never learned long pole. Um, they tried to delete other members out of books and put other people in there, whatever. Um, and then I have reams of emails, which I only show a few of my relationship with Sifu Lerngting, photos of him at my school and stuff like that. But I also show examples of how he's bullied other people who left his association. And here's the thing, for other people who are in the WT Association and um, have been the victim of this, I hear you. Um, and for people outside of WT, in local schools or in very traditional schools or whatever, who've, who've had, maybe it's not as big, the IWT was a big association at some point, so the scale of the politics is much bigger. But these things happen even in smaller schools. These things happen in traditional singular schools or small associations or whatever. I don't want anybody to ever feel that the quality of the martial art that they're learning from some famous person or whatever is so great that they have to put up with abuse and being bullied and being treated like a piece of garbage just for the chance to learn the long pole, the dummy, whatever it is. Because I'll tell you what, there's plenty of other people out there who are qualified in whatever martial art you do, Wing Chun, Jeet Kune Do, whatever, who will teach it to you honestly and openly and without strings attached and will not bully you. And there's absolutely no excuse for people who claim to be grandmasters, great grandmasters, great teachers, you know, people who have entered the great hall of Wing Chun wisdom, so to speak, to bully people for the sole crime of getting on with their lives and going somewhere else. I left the association because the politics were affecting the business and my students were unhappy. So I left, that was my crime. And for that, they tried to assassinate my character. They libeled me in public statements, told them at all because everything that I talk about, I actually proved. They just made a bunch of statements about me that they can't prove. They've actually committed libel against me. And that is unfair, and they've done it to other people, and there's no excuse for it. I don't care how many years your Sifu has been doing Wing Chun or teaching Wing Chun or is for famous for Wing Chun. Nobody has earned the right to bully other people just because they're a former student. And if anybody's in this situation, get the fuck out and don't give a shit about what other people have to say. The reason I wrote a big-ass long blog post is because other people I know have been bullied by them too. And I want to show the world what they do, so maybe they will think twice about bullying somebody else. Somebody else leaves the association and they want to write another statement about that, they need to think about how my statement went to 15,000 people and was broadcasted all over Facebook, because other people will do it. And if they bully other people, I will help other people to defend their credentials against this kind of bullying. And it's unacceptable whether you're a WT guy or from somewhere else or whatever, don't accept it no matter who they are. It's not the right thing and it's unbecoming of people who call themselves martial artists. And quite frankly, it's childish and it's the kind of things that need to go the way of the dodo bird and martial arts need to move forward, okay? So that's all I'm saying about that. Only reason, like I said, I don't want to make it seem like I wrote this big-ass long blog post because I'm worried about defending my credentials. My students know what I can do. People know that I'm a good and honest martial arts instructor. That's why I'm a kung fu genius with only one week of teaching or learning. <laughs> if they want to say, oh, Alex, he only learned for one week, fine. You know what, IWTA? You know what, Sikong? 
tell everybody I learned for one week. I'm more successful than any of your students here in the U.S. So apparently the longer you learn from Siva Lengting, the less successful you are in the U.S. <laughs> so I will, I will take that. I will take that title. Tell everybody to tell everybody I learned for only one week because I'm an effing kung fu genius. And if you guys take photos with me, please tag hashtag kung fu genius. If you make any reference to me that's positive and cool, whatever, you bought my book, hashtag kung fu genius. Let everybody know. I will I will take the fact that I learned all the kung fu I know, which is a lot because I'm a geek and I'll admit it. If I learned that in one week, holy shit. I got the, the the bone structure and the brain of a kung fu genius, and I will take that, all right? I don't care about their bullying. Let them try to put it on me. That's fine. But they will not do it to anybody else. I won't let it happen. And I'm sorry, and that's all I want to say about that. And that is all I'm ever going to say about this particular topic. That's, so, all, that's, that's all I got to say about that's, that. All I'm gonna say about that life, <laughs> life is a like like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. So that's it. And and, and so anyway, I, I just want to move forward. Anybody wants to read that crap, you can go to my blog. You can go to my facial book and read all that crap or whatever. And um and that's it. I don't really want to talk about it anymore, but um I I wanted to get out there because I don't want them to do this again to anyone especially like i have a big social media presence i'm easy to def i can defend myself easily other people don't and so i just want them to think twice before they do that again and that's it good job alex you have to you have to stand up to bullies and look at them in the eye and that's all you need to do and then just show them that you're not afraid and you're not going to back down excellent man excellent good job so anyway that uh that's what I talked about on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, nah, man, you, you, you. I think I'm ready to go home late dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you go home to that pretty wife of yours and uh, enjoy your birthday, brother. This was a great podcast. Beautiful, man. And uh, everybody enjoy. Well, by the time they listen to this, UFC is going to be out already. So I guess we'll be talking about the results next week. Oh, yeah. And hopefully Connor's raising up two belts. Absolutely, absolutely. So everybody, don't forget to like us, uh, uh, share the podcast, share the episodes, write reviews on iTunes, Facebook, whatever. All that stuff helps. Follow us on Twitter, Dudes of Kung Fu. Follow Sean, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, everything. All that stuff helps. Please share it, like it, and, and let people know about the podcast. That's what keeps us going. Write in, write questions, let us know what you guys want to talk about. And if you feel we're going too off topic on things, let us know. Criticism is more than welcome. We might change Choose to ignore it, but uh, let us know what you think about the podcast. We're more than happy to hear it. And uh, I had a great time and uh, um, uh, can't wait for the next one, Sean. All right, brother. Talk to see you next week, guys. Bye bye. All right, guys. Take care. Bye bye.